Need a pep talk? Come hang with us weekly while we serve up realness with a side of sass and help you learn to love yourself in every shape, size, and season. We laugh, we cry, we dig deep, we shoot the shit, we feel our feels, and we highlight the real. I'm Becca. And I'm AMQ. And this is... I got you, boo. Hey, boo crew. Thanks for tuning in this week. We have Dr. Allison on the pod today, but wanted to remind you that you should not treat this podcast as medical advice to treat any condition in yourself or others. Make sure you consult your physician for any medical issues you may be having. Buckle up, buttercups. Let's go. Hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) Welcome back, Boo Crew. We are so excited for this week's episode. And as always, we are so excited that you decided to come back again. (laughs) And And to us. We're going to make it uh, a little bit of, uh, since we're starting this off with February and it's the month of love, it's a big focus on self-love this month. Always, always on the pod. But like, why not give it a little extra you know, in February. So if you're listening to this not in February, that's okay. It'll still apply to you, but we're definitely giving it an extra self-love push this month. Yes. We're talking about all things love when it comes to just, I feel like we're just bringing a lot of female energy to feminine energy to February already, just from what we recorded. So this is going to be no different and it's going to be great. So AMQ, tell us who we have chatting with us this week. Okay, we are so excited to have Dr. Allison Gottschalk here, and she helps women correct hormone imbalances naturally and prep for future pregnancies. Can we guess why? We were very excited to have her. I'm happy to be here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we always start off. We're going to get into all of the greatness that you are and that you bring to this world. So we are going to ask a few questions for starters. I'm going to come out of the gates because I am currently not trying to make a human with my human body. (laughs) So I'm going to talk the more I'm going to talk the more hormonal route of things. And I want to know why we're crying all the time. Okay, yeah. All the time, or is it around? No, no, no. Like, just, just like, just a cycle. I'm just. I added that for dramatic effect. Well, so it kind of tied in with PMS. So if you're somebody who experiences other PMS-like symptoms, say for example, also painful and heavy periods, physical pains like back pain, um, changes with mood is a big one when we think of PMS. So like heightened anxiety just before your period, feeling more irritable, quick to anger. Usually that's associated with dips with progesterone just before um, menstruation. So mm-hmm. if progesterone doesn't stay as high and stable as what we want it to be, sometimes we can start to see some of those symptoms come up. But not only that, there could be issues with estrogen too. So there's a couple of things going on, but it is very common to experience a lot of those PMS-like symptoms. But I would note that if you are crying all the time, there's other things we need to be looking at. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I should have given that disclaimer. Really jumped in the deep end on that one. Sorry, Boo Crew. It's okay to cry, but maybe not all the time. So basically, it's normal in like, you know, the grand scheme of things. There's no way around it. 
No, there's lots that we can do for that. Um, and I wouldn't say, yes, it can be common, but I wouldn't say that it's normal in that sense, that we there's things we'd want to do to lessen the severity of some of those like premenstrual symptoms. So um, yeah, so common, but not necessarily normal or optimal. Okay. AMQ sent this one and I love this one. I'm just going to steal your- Go. Your, your <laughs> um, if you were a man for a day, what would you do? Ooh, like what do you mean? Like, it, just, now listen. You know what? Just as the Use heads your imagination. up, we should <laughs> we should have given her the heads up before we started recording. We've really let our freak flags fly on here. We very regularly talk about our vaginas. We have the E for explicit content. So whatever you're Perfect. comfortable with sharing, go for it. And then shit gets serious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. serious. Yeah. <laughs> If I was a man for a day, I would want to be doing everything that maybe I couldn't be doing right now. So I'd be like getting with a woman. I would be experiencing life. If you only have 24 hours, whatever. Yeah. Yes. See it all. Do it all. Maybe not all, but you know. (laughs) I feel like I would really try and master the helicopter move. Yes. (laughs) See, but you don't know how well endowed you'd be, right? No, I would would want a body. I was, oh. you, it's, it's, I think I could do it regardless. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're like, you I have the body, I have nice. talent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. AMQ, do you have any from your list that you sent that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I do. I do. So I want to know if your life was a sitcom, what would it be called? Well, that's a oh, hard geez. question. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't ask me <laughs> What the would question. it be called? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, my life has been pretty boring lately as of yet, like, you know, with everything, just a lot of work. So it'd be something I wouldn't want it to be a boring title, though. Like I want to live like back to how I normally was out and doing things. But um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. Would you make Um, it like a Grey's Anatomy, but like your doctor experience edition where you just make it like a whole bunch of like the hormonal haven or like... (laughs) Oh, Becca's coming up with names for your sitcom. Stuffing on Laven. I'm just, I'm trying to throw her a bone here. That's a hard. I'm question. thinking about like the Mindy Project, like things like that. Like you uh, have it be like. Oh yeah. I mean, I, mine's like I just thought of something, but it's so cheap because it already exists. But like the Amanda Show is like goes without saying. Great show, great show. Growing up watching, but just something like that. Like if it was going to be more of a Friends vibe, where there's lots of characters, or. Is it like a protagonist situation, you know? Ah, I want my friends involved. Um, yeah. I'm definitely a diehard Grey's Anatomy fan. So some, something oh. along that, those lines, a little bit of drama, but not too much. Um, yeah, just keep you on your toes. A lot going on in a day. You can be. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Especially when it's like real life times, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your days. So. We'll ask you about your days in a little bit, but. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> What is your go-to PMS snack? Ooh, uh, chocolate for sure. So Same. definitely chocolate. Yeah. And there's actually, you know, kind of-ish science behind that. The thinking of why you maybe crave chocolate around your period. The reason is, is that magnesium is one of the high nutrients in chocolate. And usually magnesium deficiencies are kind of 
we see all across the board, not just with women's hormonal health, um, but men as well too. We oftentimes need a little bit more magnesium leading up to our period to make it not as crampy, less heavy kind of thing, and, and just to calm us down as well. So my thinking is, is that part of the reason, aside from the, the sugar in the chocolate, is that need for more magnesium or that want for that too. So to to kind of get a little bit, you know, less muscle cramping and just feeling a little bit more calm as well. There's a method to the madness. I didn't have, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. But keeping in mind, the majority is for the sugar content yeah. too, right? Like we <laughs> yeah, want yeah. it for the sugar, but I'm just thinking magnesium is high and that's a time when we want more magnesium in our body. Mm. I, I could I'm trust one, it all the time. It's one, I'm, yes. See, I'm, I'm more of like a carb craver than yeah. a sweets craver. But Unless it's that time of the month. And then I'm like, ah, but I'm one that like, I strap a heating pad to me. Like it's, yeah. it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> you really do. Oh, I'm no. really, yeah, it's, it's very painful. Okay. So you're doing such great work and I love watching your reels. It's like a power punch so of good. info that I'm like, oh, all right. The more, you know, like that rainbow, I can just hear it singing in my head. <laughs> but what, what compelled you or motivated you to pursue this career? So I've always wanted to do something within the health space, the wellness space. I just wasn't exactly sure what it was, you know, when you're in high school or even early university. Part of, I guess, who I am too is, is I've always been a really good listener. So AMQ, you mentioned being a really good talker. You love talking. I am the best friend of a talker. So like, God. I love hearing the stories, you know, tell me everything kind of thing in it it really does tie well with my job. If I wasn't a good listener, like I wouldn't be able to get through my day listening to, you know, what patients are telling me and that. Totally. Um, but it first started off with my own personal experience. So, you know, going to the doctor when you're in your teens, you know, um, like high school, early university, and I was a stressed out student with no energy, brain fogged, tired all the time. And you know, my only real solution or, you know, treatment option available to me was, you know, well, you could take the pill if you want to kind of help to mitigate some of those PMS symptoms you're experiencing. Um, you know, we'll look into energy for maybe why you might be tired or that. We'll look, your, look into your iron status and that kind of thing. But that was about it. And a large part of what was going on, I had to kind of investigate on my own. And when I was in naturopathic medical school, um, I was noticing a lot of the same questions were coming at me from various different patients. And it was questions about hormonal health, women's wellness, things that maybe aren't spoken about in, you know, the education system or just with your doctor, just, just times when maybe we should have learned about hormones. Um, we just never were. Uh, so there were a lot of common themes that were coming up. Part of them were, you know, I think I have a hormone imbalance. I've asked my doctor to test for hormones, but they didn't think it was indicated or they didn't know, you know, they weren't sure which to even test for. I'm tired all the time, brain fogged. Is there anything else I could do aside from, you know, maybe medication, maybe not. And again, no judgment with medication, whatever you choose to do, but just exploring all options is kind of where I kind of took that stance, knowing that there's so many more options available to you that maybe you're not aware of. Uh, and we can definitely merge the two worlds of, you know, Western medicine with holistic care. And oftentimes that's when we see the best results for patients, when it is that collaboration of care, when all healthcare providers are kind of on the same team working together to get you, you know, feeling your best kind of thing. 
So it was a lot of the common questions that I was getting that really had me honing in on women's hormones um, and just hitting the research hard and making sure that I'm familiar with up-to-date, you know, protocols and things that we can support women with. Yeah, that's kind of how I got into it, personal experience, and then just went from there. I agree that we need to know more. Yes. Yeah. So quick to put a same. I had that exact experience. And I mean, I did it because, you know, same. Whatever, you didn't know. Didn't know anything like, different. I yeah. was very yeah. uncomfortable. I was a competitive gymnast. I had mm. a period for two weeks of mm. a month, out of a month, you know, and I was in leotards all the time. I was like, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. And my doctor was like, here you go. And that was, that was, I didn't know. I was a teenager. My mom didn't ask any questions. Nobody asked questions. It was just what we did. Strap, strap the pill to me and go. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that I mean, weaves yeah. very well into my next question. Sorry, you say, say what you were going to say. The pill certainly has its time and place, um, but not for everybody. It's not the only option. Um, what we do see is, is that we can see a decrease in some of those symptoms, like the PMS-like symptoms. And yeah. um, we can see some improvement with conditions like PCOS, which we can always talk about later, because the pill suppresses your own hormone production. And with that, we can see a less severity of some PMS-like symptoms. But the problem is, is that as soon as you come off of the pill, all those same symptoms that originally put you on the pill are going to reemerge. And then we're kind of back at that square one stage where we're trying to figure out, you know, what are our next steps? Because it didn't really, it, it didn't give us that long lasting benefit we had hoped for, more so of that Band-Aid approach in the meantime. It can, it definitely serves its purpose, but I would say it's not for everybody. Yeah, I was on it for so long. And I noticed that when I came, I came off of it during the pandemic because it's me and my dog here and we don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and I was like, and I was also, you know, I'm in my 30s. I've been on it for so long. Like, let me, I don't, I never got a period while I was on it. So I was like, Mm -hmm. let me just see what happens. My doctor had said, you know, just go off of it and see how you feel. Yeah. Well, first off, the cramps came back and I was like, oh, there, there, there it is. But then also I feel like everything was happening. Like I was like, I feel like libido goes up, like all of the feelings. I'm like, where, where was this world? The whole new world, like Ariel, I was like, it's a little mermaid. I was like, what is happening? I, who knew you really don't know. Cause you know, yeah. you're just, it's what you do. You've been on it. Well, it's not, it doesn't have to be. So it's yeah. so important that women know that there's options out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back in the day, I guess I sound old back in the day, everybody was on it. Yeah. Like I, I really had like maybe had a couple of girlfriends that weren't on it, but the, it was just something that would just seem so mainstream, right? Go on the pill and you stay on it until you're ready to have a baby and then you go off of it. And it just exactly. it seemed a common story, common thread that's here. Yes. That's exactly what I was told. Stay on mm-hmm. it until you're ready to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Literally verbatim. Yeah. Which and then, it, and then it's always that girl talk in high school. Like, are you on the pill yet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you, Which one are you on? Yeah, yeah. What's your pack look like? <laughs> <laughs> Is it low dose or high dose? Like, I remember. Um, yeah. I remember. Which I didn't even know what that meant. I probably still don't even know what that means. I know it's like levels of estrogen. I think I didn't. We didn't know what that was. Like, oh my yeah. god, what's in yours? Oh. Like Coca Cola. No. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so. I know that you know this because I've told you, but we're going to say it again. You've been a huge help for me on my trying to conceive journey, just in the educational part of things, but also entertainment, like Becca mentioned. Like your reels are just spot on. They're so good. It's like delivering information, but also with humor 
And we appreciate that. So I love that. And when I, anytime I'm like confused about something, I literally, I learn something every time I look at your profile. So that's about That is but, the biggest compliment. Thank you. <laughs> that's, you're, you're crushing it really. <laughs> but I want to know, do you find, and I feel like you kind of touched on this, but do you find that most women are clueless when it comes to their hormone health? And I'm only asking because honestly, until I had to, I'm using air quotes, but until I had to know, AKA started trying to conceive, I was clueless. Yes, I do totally see that. Uh, and what's interesting is that I've had many patients like through virtual calls or whatnot that will preface their question by saying, I know this is a silly question, but, and then go into it. And it could be anything from questions about their body, about their hormones. Is this normal? Is this abnormal? And it, it's something that happens Quite often, it's almost, you know, feeling a bit of shame for not knowing this, but we can't fault ourselves for not for things that we haven't learned or were educated for, like with hormones or whatnot. Um, and it always makes me think of one of my own personal experiences that I had the first couple of times when I started using tampons for the first time. And I remember being in the bathroom beside our gym in grades, like seven or eight. Oh, no. And I remember talking to oh, another no. girlfriend. <laughs> I remember talking to another girlfriend who had recently just started menstruating, maybe like a couple of months prior to. And I was telling her how like gym class was just about to start and I had just put a tampon in, but my worry was, is that I had to pee and I didn't have another tampon to use. So my thinking was, is that there's one hole. If I have to pee, I have to take the tampon out and then pee. And she's like, no, no, there's two holes. And I must have known that, but for some reason, it was just like a mind-blowing concept. Like you could do both at the same time. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so funny, so like true. thinking back on that, but it's like, you know, there really isn't a silly question if the intent is to learn more about your body and what's going on. Like, don't be afraid to ask those questions because we've all been there. We've all, you know, maybe not known as much as we should have known, <laughs> but there really is no silly question. I still feel clueless, but I, but I know that I'm in the ring. Like, like Becca likes to say, like in the arena, in the ring, I'm in the proper place to learn the things before mm -hmm. I wasn't putting myself in that environment. And like, I think a lot of us don't until something happens, right? Mm -hmm. We don't feel right. We want to switch from the pill maybe to something else, you know, and then, and then we learn, but it's very uh, reactive instead of proactive. Mm -hmm. At least I found in my personal experience. Yeah. And that is commonly, you know, the thread that goes on that you don't really, until you're in a situation when you're forced to learn and ask these questions that they're really investigated. Um, yeah, some common things that I find that many women don't know about is, for example, the period that you have when you're on the pill, let's say, it's not an actual true period. It's what we call a withdrawal bleed. So in most cases with the pill, the purpose of the pill is to suppress ovulation. And when we're suppressing ovulation, so the egg isn't being released, we're also suppressing the estrogen and progesterone associated with it. And we aren't getting, so the purpose, the reason why we ask about periods is to get a better understanding of your hormonal picture, what's happening with your hormones. But we don't, we aren't seeing any of that when you are on the pill, if it's a complete suppression of those hormones. Um, so just little conversations like that. 
And um, another one, another big one too, is I also work with many women who are transitioning through perimenopause into menopause and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is something that I quite frequently have conversations of about. And the use of estrogen, um, there's still this deeply ingrained fear in many women that if you take estrogen, it's going to cause breast cancer. And we know that's not the case. We have excellent research, you know, kind of debunking a lot of the studies that originally led to that. And it's the whole idea of really, you know, explaining what the newer research says, how we can do things safely and so forth. Um, but yeah, like you said, until you're in those situations when you're wanting more support, you don't, there's no reason to explore it because everything seems okay. Even if it's not. Like, right. You yeah. don't know until you don't know. Like you don't know yeah. what you don't know because literally you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know because you don't know it yet. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm adding in a plot twist because you just talked about tampons. I recently <laughs> oh. just switched to the Diva Cup and I'm, I'm, I'm yes. a big, big menstrual cup in general. I actually don't even know if it's the Diva Cup. It's a menstrual cup. I just like to call it the Diva One Cup. One day I'll try it. But Becca oh. told me that it was a bad omen to try to switch. Yeah, to well, try listen. it while I was trying to get pregnant. Oh. So I listened to her because you know what? She's usually right. <laughs> listen, I'm just way too superstitious. So I was like, don't try yeah. to switch anything because then yeah. it, it's there's no logistical sense to it at all. No, no, but, no. But, no. <laughs> but is there, and I noticed that my period, this is TMI, but we're all friends here. That's okay. All good. My bleeding during my period was so different when mm -hmm. I switched to the menstrual cup, then with the tampon, I felt cleaner in general because you don't feel the most, you know, clean during that time. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I just noticed it was like way, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it didn't, it seemed more like natural if that's mm -hmm. a, the right way of putting it. Did you notice any less pain or cramping or anything like that? Definitely less cramping because when I was, I had gotten a new one. So I had to like for one day use tampons and I was like, I was in tears. I was on the phone with my mom and I was like, something is wrong. This doesn't feel right. But it was the first time I had used a tampon since getting off the pill and having like a, a regular period. And I was wow. like, yes, it was so, it was very, it was a lot painful. It was a lot more painful. Oh, but yeah, it was, just, it was just so interesting. I didn't know if that had, yeah. if that even made sense or if that was even a thing that like you're yeah. bleeding, like color, like the, the amount of it, all of it was just very yeah. much. Clots too. If you're noticing any yeah. clots, like that's a big question that I ask, you know, in terms of, it tells us more about estrogen status, inflammation, like are you noticing clots? And you may not be able to tell if you're using a tampon. It's not as like, you don't have the actual cup that you're literally pouring out. <laughs> Yes. But I'm I'm a big fan of like the Diva Cup, any of the menstrual cups too. I'm I switched back I switched over, you know, quite a few years now and haven't turned away since. It's just a little bit of a learning curve when you first start because there's been times if you don't like to put it in fully right, you can get a bit of leakage and then yikes, but don't wear white pants. No, no. But then once you get it, it's like nothing. You try different folding methods to get it in there, but then it, and then sometimes if it's not in the right way, you'll feel it adjust. Cause it's like, it, you'll feel it like just suction. It's like, Ooh, we're in there. Vacuum sealed, baby. Let's get oh, it. Oh, it self adjusts. <laughs> if it's, if it's in there if, and it's just like a little adjustment that's needed. I also wow. thought I would like lose it. And my friend who's a nurse yeah. was like, no, it's not a vacuum suction through your cervix. That's going to just like make it go all the way up. I was like, am I going to lose it? Because I lost a tampon before and it was 
absolutely oh, a nightmare. But oh, no. um, not up into my organs because that's not a thing. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I just didn't know if that was a thing that like, you know, you really get to learn yourself more about yourself when you switch. Because I was like, oh, wow. Look, it was like Becca the science bitch in my toilet bowl. I was like, what is yeah. that? <laughs> it's fascinating. Never seen that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. So we focus so much about what goes into our body, you know, good quality supplements, good quality food and so mm -hmm. forth. But we don't always pay attention to how our body like uses that and like excretes it. So bowel movements, like look at them, see what they're like. It's it's always so funny because, you know, many people become so bashful when they talk about poops. Like how many times do you go a day? What does it look like? Are you noticing any food kind of thing? kind of things. And it's odd questions to ask, but it's so important for giving us clues as to what might be going on upstream in the body. So yeah, like in terms of like stomach acid secretion, digestive enzymes and that kind of thing. So same with period health too, like be inquisitive, like, you know, don't try to wait from what your body is, what's coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have no problem talking about poop. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Everybody poops. Um, yeah, I read yeah. that book. When I taught kindergarten, I read that book to my class. Okay. So what is PCOS and how do we know if we have it? Like, are there very distinct symptoms to look yeah, for? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. So PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is a quite common condition to have. So one in 10 women are thought to have PCOS, wow. but a lot of women don't know they have it until you know, they are either trying to conceive and having issues with conception or it's their irregular cycles that bring them into their doctor's office trying to figure out, you know, I haven't had a period in, you know, two months. What could be going on? I'm not pregnant. I'm like 20 something. Like what's going on kind of thing. PCOS is thought to be a really complex metabolic concern as well as a complex hormone imbalance concern. So there's, there's many factors at play here, but some of the main symptoms that you might experience if you think you do have PCOS is cystic acne are on the mouth or around like the jawline, chin, um, facial hair growth is a big one, hair loss on head, difficulties with weight loss, um, feeling tired all the time, like exhaustion, and changes with mood, like feeling more anxious, um, dips in mood um, as well. So there's there can be kind of a whole variety of different symptoms to experience, but it's usually the irregular cycles, the cystic acne that isn't cleared up by even some of the more aggressive medications. So like if you were somebody who in maybe your teen years, you were on Accutane and you found that Accutane didn't touch your cystic acne, that's actually part of how we try to pinpoint it back to possibly being PCOS because that is a medication that is is aggressive and it should clear up the, the cystic acne. But if it doesn't, then we explore different avenues. So it's usually those bothersome symptoms that women don't want to live with anymore. Like I'm growing a beard kind of thing, help me. And then we do the blood work and find out that there is, you know, some a hormone concern going on underneath the surface there. Wow. The, the bodies are so insane. How crazy. Yeah. yeah. Also, I can ask about that, but if it was a blood thing, because, but I guess it is mostly, it starts with blood tests, I suppose, or it's mostly blood tests that indicate whether or not you would have it. So there's, there's three diagnostic criteria to determine if you have PCOS. So it's usually, it's the symptoms that bring you into your doctor's office, but then in order to have 
I get to get a formal diagnosis of PCOS. Usually they send you for an ultrasound um, and you have cysts on your ovaries is something that's found, but you don't have to have cysts on your ovaries to have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So the name, there's some people that are trying to get a name change for that because the name sounds like it's a must, but you don't need to have cysts on your ovaries. Irregular cycles that are longer than 35 plus days um, or having less than 10 menstrual cycles per year um, and some testosterone symptoms. So like either cystic acne, facial hair growth, or an elevation of testosterone on your lab work. So there's many different ways that we can kind of have clues as to what might be going on. Uh, and certainly a family history. So if you have a family history of PCOS, there's a big link there. So if your mom had it or, you know, it, it points us in that direction that we should be exploring it with you kind of thing. It makes me want to go get blood work immediately, just in general. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the thick of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I have any left, to be honest. Uh, oh my and now gosh. when I go in, they're like, don't worry, it's only one vial today. I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh, they like, let me know because I run yeah. out of blood. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> run out of blood. Oh, God. I did on one arm. I ran out of blood. So they're like, can we go on the other one? I was like, well, what are my options? I have to say yes. I can't yeah. say no. There's no way of it. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Wow. And and you don't even have, I immediately thought, oh yeah, well, I don't have cysts on my ovaries, so I can't have it. Yeah, me too. So, yep. You don't have to have that as part of it. You could have irregular cycles, so 35 plus days in length, and just having either elevated testosterone on your blood report or testosterone symptoms. So either or can usually indicate that um, it's common. So one in 10 women. So if you That's feel like common. something is a bit off, Go for blood work, get it, you know, get it done. And more often, you know, than not, what I find is that when I'm reviewing blood work that's been done on, say, like an annual physical exam, um, it's usually the bare bones of testing. So sometimes like iron will be tested for, sometimes maybe vitamin D, like very limited stuff. And it's it's not enough if you feel like your hormones are out of whack, out of balance. Uh, we need to actually be testing for some of those specific markers to really get a better understanding of what might be going on and then how we can support you with that. Whew. All right. I will say that I've noticed, I don't know when, I want to say in the last few years, I don't really know what the last few years really means in the grand scope of things, but I have noticed that people around me have been saying, oh yes, I have PCOS. And I I don't know if that was always something or if like in my older years, I'm just more hyper aware, but a lot of the humans who are closer to me have it Mm -hmm. and speak about it pretty openly. And that is completely 100% linked to the fact that we as women are becoming more well-informed I would like to say, mm-hmm. and I honestly kind of want to, and I have no grand, ground to stand on with this, but I want to say that, especially during this pandemic, I've noticed the females in my life really take charge in learning about themselves. And that might be because we had more time with ourselves, to ourselves, maybe, but it's been pretty nice to see. And maybe it's just, again, we're in that ring. So we see that stuff more that's probably has something to do with it. But everyone in my life who is a female, I find has really taken control of their health and learning about their bodies in the last couple of years. And that's been really cool to see. Yeah. I love that. The more you know about your body, the more you, you know what to look for if things seem like, you know, 
abnormal or, you know, you have questions about it. Tuning into your body is probably one of the best things we can do as women because there's a lot going on and it's a lot to keep track of. Um, so you know when things have gone astray, when you know what normal for you looks like. Yes. So you mentioned um, when you're doing a blood work panel, specifically, let's say, to figure out PCOS. Mm-hmm. Are there are there certain tests that you would recommend? Like you mentioned, obviously, you know, the basics are like iron and vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Is there something that when a woman walks in and says, hey, doc, I don't feel so hot. Can I get X, Y, Z? Are there certain tests that are recommended? Yeah, there are. Um, If whether or not they're tested for is another question, but sometimes you have to kind of vouch for some of these tests. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually I have a bit of a template of tests that I like to work with. So based on your symptoms of what you're seeing and how things are presenting, I'm either adding things to that list or taking things off Um, because we don't want to be testing everything if it's not necessary. Just the ones that are going to actually have some measurable impact and change on on how things are going for you. Um, So to start off with, I love testing for estrogen and progesterone, the female-based types of hormones. So um, estradiol and and progesterone are the two main, I guess, female types of hormones. Um, Keeping in mind that we only produce progesterone after ovulation. So the timing at which we do some of these tests is important. If if you're given a blood report requisition and told to go at any point and progesterone's on the list, we want to make sure that we're going at that right, right point or else it's going to come up as zero if you haven't ovulated yet. Um, so ideally in the second half of your cycle is preferred to get a better reading. Um, and to kind of feed on to that, we also want to know what the brain is saying to the ovaries. So your FSH and your LH, your, your brain signals to your ovaries to either grow the follicle and, or ovulate. Um, and yeah, it starts with the brain and it ends with the ovaries. We want to know the whole chain of events. If there's a kink in the line, like let's figure out where that is and then put a plan together based on that. Um, with PCOS, testosterone is usually elevated in most cases. We want to be testing ideally total testosterone. Um, and another big thing that I'm a really big advocate for is testing for fasting insulin. So even if you don't have PCOS and say you have like intense food cravings, you love carbs, you find that you're back and forth to the kitchen because like you're just hungry all the time. Um, there can be a blood sugar regulation issue there and an issue with insulin. So maybe, you know, seeing a bit more insulin resistance than we want it to to be. Um, so testing your fasting insulin can be a, a crucial part to that because if there's an issue, we want to correct for it. And oftentimes um, we can see a lessening of some of those food cravings um, and, and feeling like you're less snacky kind of thing. The second part, I guess, would be making sure that we're testing for inflammation. So inflammation can certainly be related to PCOS, but even if you don't have PCOS, if you're somebody who experiences a lot of joint pain, like back aches, history of migraine headaches or headaches in general, um, if you have acne or you're just feeling like swollen or red and inflamed in general, uh, there's a marker called CRP, C-reactive protein, which is one of the tests I usually put on all blood work requisitions that I do because I find it's, it, it kind of determines our direction. You know, are you inflamed? And if you are, to what degree should we be tackling inflammation? So it can be, you know, useful in that sense. And then we also have the, um, like some of like the vitamin nutrient markers. So vitamin D status, 
you know, not only important for immune system health, but there's good research supporting its use with fertility, with hormonal health as well. Um, it's linked to irregular cycles when levels are low. Um, and certainly we see better fertility outcomes when vitamin D is at adequate range as well. Iron status, if you find that you're brain fog and tired. So ferritin, which is the storage form of iron, that's going to be an important one to test for. Yeah, so there, there's all sorts of things. And it's not that you have to do all of those. It's kind of tuning into what your symptoms are maybe telling you. And that determines what part we need to be looking at into further. Because like I said, we don't just want to be testing everything. We want to make sure that the test we are running is going to determine our route of plan. If we're going to be doing the same treatment plan and run the test anyways, why bother run the test just to do the plan? But if it determines, say, like dosing of something, then we want to make sure we have that number and we're not just, you know, playing the, the guessing game. Ooh, well, you just pretty much covered the rest of mine. So I'm going to pivot <laughs> because the rest of mine were really just all about like mental and emotional or like just how we can feel and, you know, acknowledge that something needs to be checked out. But it sounds like should everyone just get them checked? <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, there's certain aspects of everything you just talked about that are like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like that. Not all the time, but at least yeah. once a month. <laughs> Like, and certainly like lifestyle right now, like living in a wor the world that we're living in now, it's not helping at all with mental health, right? But there's, we want to make sure that, you know, if hormones are contributing to this in some degree, let's correct for those while we can. Um, and so speaking to say mental health, emotional health as well, um, the way in which we can look at hormones is looking at a demographic in which hormones plummet. So say when you're entering like menopause, postmenopausal, some of those symptoms, um, you know, that are coming about are signs that, you know, women are missing some of those, the benefits from some of those hormones. So estrogen plays such a big role with, you know, brain health, bone health, cardiovascular health, even with like vaginal dryness, increase in UTIs. Um, and progesterone specifically is related to mood. So um, again, you only produce progesterone after you ovulate. But what's really fascinating about progesterone is that it metabolizes into another compound called allopregnenolone, which um, acts on the GABA receptor in your brain. And GABA is one of the, um, has a calming effect on all the brain. So it's thought that when you have adequate progesterone, we tend to sleep better. We're less anxious, you know, we're not feeling quite as stressed. Our periods are more manageable, less PMS. Um, so out of all the hormones, progesterone, I find, has that really, you know, comforting impact on the brain. Again, going back to the women in, say, like postmenopausal, they benefit so greatly from a little bit of progesterone because they they tend not to sleep well, hot flashes, you know, changes with anxiety and that. And it's one of those hormones that we find can really, really benefit. And certainly if you are still menstruating, we need to make sure that you're ovulating as well. So you're getting the hormonal benefits of progesterone from ovulation. This, I was just about to say, this might be a silly question to follow up with, but since- Oh, talking, look at I know, that. I know, I stopped myself, I stopped myself, I'm learning. So uh, you just mentioned the, the vaginal dryness and all of that. And I think that so many women are hesitant or too shy to talk about the things that are going on down there. And during mm -hmm. certain times of the month when you have, you know, certain, there's things leaking, what's leaking, discharge, are, all, are any of those 
symptoms or I mean, like, are we looking for colors? Are we looking for certain things that are leaking out of there during certain times of the month? Are there anything that we should be aware of when that happens? Yeah, absolutely. So tuning into it and even tracking it if you can. So uh, like tracking everything with your cycle, although it can be kind of tedious, I find it super helpful as the practitioner to review it with my patient so we can look retrospectively and see how were your last few cycles um, and, and so forth and kind of figure out what, what's going on. In terms of any vaginal discharge, it's certainly all relevant. Um, and we expect to see changes depending on where you are with your cycle. So um, like around ovulation, we tend to see this like almost like an egg white discharge indicating ovulation. And the fluid consistency, not to get too detailed here. No, but I love it. I love it. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Bring it. The consistency and color and um, like how stretchy it is can be indicative of like things like estrogen status. And, you know, it's all relevant to to know. I would say if you are noticing like bright colors, like if it's green, foul smelling, like those are signs at which we do want to be seeking care for because there could be an infection going on that maybe we think is normal, but, you know, it, it turns out there's something else going on further. But we do want to be seeing changes like in terms of cervical mucus throughout the cycle, because that's also another sign that we are getting those changes with estrogen and progesterone as well. Which is also something I never knew happened to me until I switched to the menstrual cup. Yeah. Okay. Really? I didn't, I didn't notice anything when I used the tampon. I was like, okay, it's blood. But then I noticed when I was using the diva cup or the menstrual cup in general that like, oh, there's other things happening. So it's mm -hmm. good to know that that means it's a good thing. It's supposed to be happening. <laughs> so, so speaking like just with like your actual period, so like the blood flow, ideally we want it to be like bright red, kind of from the start. So seeing a bit of spotting ahead of time, we do like to kind of work and to try to avoid that if we can, you know, sometimes you can see a bit of like the brown or like a deep maroon color at the start. Um, too much of that, we try to, you know, work on that, but some of that can certainly be normal. But ideally we want to be seeing like a bright red blood. So indicating fresh blood at the very start on your cycle day one. Um, and then it's going to be a slow taper afterwards. Ideally, like no clots is preferred. I usually ask patients if you are seeing clots, and again, sorry if this is TMI. Never. Tell me the size of your clots. And I usually say like compare it to coin sizes, although it's not going to be a perfect circle. It's going to be stringy, whatever. But just so we can kind of get a better gauge for what we're working with. And more often than not, I think I've mentioned this, clots can really be related to either, you know, elevations in estrogen where we don't want it to be, but more so with inflammation. So if you're very inflamed and you're seeing clots, well, that's a sign that we need to, you know, work more on that inflammatory side of things. Whoa, we have clots. Yeah. And it is very common really? too, um, but again, not optimal. Common, but not optimal. I mean, I'm in a little bit of a weird situation because, you know, two pregnancies, two losses, my periods are all over. Like I'm still figuring it out. We're still yeah. like yeah. walking through it, but it def that's another thing is, and I'm, I'm not even going to ask this question because I already know, but my periods post-pregnancy haven't been like, it's not like they're just wildly different. You know, I still have the same symptoms. I've always had really bad cramps, really bad headaches, all that stuff. But my flow looks very different. Mm. Say that. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Just so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Big changes. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I but mean, still, I mean, it, it might go back to whatever it was before, but when you were mentioning the, you know, the, like the petering, the like, Hey, I'm here. Yep. I never used to get that. <laughs> it, it was always like, sup. I'm yeah. in the building. And now it's like, I'm coming. Hi, yeah. Prepare. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh, wow. Hurry up. Yeah. It's been oh. like that the last few months, which I'm like, never has it ever in my life have, have I been given like a nice warning. A it's warning. been a very aggressive visit from Aunt Flo. Uh, there you go. TMI. <laughs> no, I love T- TMI talks. My favorite. I think it's so interesting and you get to know people better. So it's mm-hmm. great. See, I'm, I'm totally. the total opposite. I'll get cramps first. And then I'm like, Ooh, it's popping off. Here we go. Oh. Uh, and then okay. Okay. usually my first day of horror is my horrible cramp day. I'll have a clot. And then I don't have that big a bed of cramps after that. Pain. Yeah. Lessons afterwards. Yeah. Ideally, it's the periods that kind of sneak up on you are preferred. So like when we're not seeing, say, any breast tenderness ahead of time, no back pain, no cramping, no mood changes ahead of time, when it kind of sneaks up on you in that sense, although it can be uncomfortable if you're somewhere and you get your period all of a sudden, less of those symptoms ahead of time is preferred um, because... Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Becca's face. Becca's face. Ah, oh, damn it. I thought it was normal. Yeah, shit. No, it, it, it's certainly common, but, me, you know, there's things we can certainly do to, to help to lessen that, whether it is like dietary interventions and, and so forth. There's there's so much out there. Um, but uh, yeah, just know that you don't have to suffer with extremely, you know, painful periods if, if that's what's going on. I do think that that, I will say that I feel like many women, I at least have the, had this conversation where we kind of do that thing where we're like, well, that's just how it is. Like, yeah. I'm a good woman. You know, we're very yeah. like, well, we're supposed to be in pain. This is our existence. Right. That is totally what I thought. And when yeah. I talk to other people, they're like, yes, yeah, so what? You have a period and like, you know what I mean? And I'd be oh. like, no, but I'm incapacitated. I mm. cannot be a human. And mm-hmm. everyone was like, same. And I'm like, no, not same. It turned out it was definitely not same. Like mine were not... But you were in bed. You're like physically like you can't even talk to AMQ. I can't. I can't. Yeah. It was like pre-pregnancy. Day two was like, do not like when we're talking, don't talk to me. I mean, like I can't put I can't words (laughs) like I just can't brain or anything. I just become a shell of a human. And that's terrifying and annoying. But it's always been like that for me. I'm also anemic. Mm. And that's had some some, you know, obviously it's happened had been a thing in my life forever, but it's so interesting because when I talk to my friends or my, my girlfriends and like your period's coming along and you're just like in excruciating pain, we're just like, yeah, that's just what it's like. So it's nice to hear that there are things that we can do to, of course, we're women, we're going to have our cycles. It's going to happen. Yeah. The things that we can do to alleviate the pain around yes. it is so empowering to know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The rates of women missing either like school or work because of their period, like astronomical. Yeah. It's, yeah, just because it's common doesn't mean it is optimal. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, when it starts to impact quality of life, like when you have to say no to certain things or you can't do whatever, um, it's when we need more exploration done to really figure out what's going on. You know, if you find that you're missing like work two days a month because your period is so debilitating, it's, you know, it's, it's worthwhile exploring that a bit further and figuring out what might be going on under the scenes there. Oh, we, I don't even know where we left off on this list that we have. <laughs> I want to 
pivot a little, flip the script a little and ask you about, it's like a two-part question. So about your days. So I know that we know we're in a global panini, so things look a little different right now, but we want to know what a day in the life of Dr. Allison looks like. And then the second, that's A. And then yeah. question <laughs> B is what would your ideal day look like? So first, what does it look like your typical day? And then what your ideal day would look like? So I'm completely virtual right now. So all my patient appointments are done virtually from home, which is awesome. So sitting at a desk for most of the day is kind of how talking to the computer right now. I haven't been exercising like I normally would. Gyms are closed and I'm very sad about that. It's also freezing outside, so I can't even really get outside for a walk. Um, so my days right now are certainly where ideal of what I, I would want them to be. Um, so I'd work and then, you know, maybe go for a midday walk at lunch kind of thing if I have time, come back, work some more. I do a lot of social media work as well. So I'll kind of, when thoughts come to my mind, like I'll either write them down on the side or kind of put it together very quickly. So it's between like patients or doing social media stuff. Um, after work, make dinner with my boyfriend, Dave, and... Our dog Stanley. <laughs> Stanley. Um, Stanley. I love that yeah. Name. yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. He's a the three-year-old golden retriever. Um, oh, so, so good. He's a cutie. So yeah, and we'll hang out after for binge watch some Netflix. That's kind of been our day for for a while now. <laughs> um, but my ideal days are actually, it would be something very similar to what I had yesterday. So I do still love seeing patients. Um, I had a shorter day yesterday. It was just in the mornings. Uh, and then we, it was like a nice sunny day, although it was very cold and there's snow on the ground. There's a pond right across from us and it was frozen. And I grew up as a figure skater. So when I see other people out on the ice skating, I'm like, oh man, I need to go. Like I need to get on the ice. So we went over um, in the afternoon yesterday and this nice man like came over and he was he was plowing the snow and he made like a bit of a path on the pond. So we were just cruising on the lake and then came back home, made dinner. Um, yeah, it was good. It was nice. Nice to move my body again. It's been it's been a while. I'm feeling and I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> yes. I, I always bet. looked at figure skaters and thought like you you guys you just look so majestic. Oh. You know what I mean? Like so elegant and so and this is coming from like I'm very klutzy. <laughs> so I always admired like I'm a t when I was in gymnastics, I was a tumbler. Close to the ground. Oh. Can still hurt yourself, but like <laughs> minimal impact. But figure skaters, you guys just look so like graceful. I love that. Yeah. It was fun. I did uh synchronized figure skating. If you've ever seen that. Wow. Before. So it's like it's like the swimming, but on ice <gasps> kind of thing. And what? It's like <laughs> Disney on ice. As a you should YouTube it. I am. A, I'm oh, gonna YouTube it so immediately. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it was, that was my uh, my sport throughout high school and a bit of university there. So, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nice to get out skating again yesterday. I um, I actually fell on the ice because there was, you know, pond waters and definitely different from an ice rink. Like there's like right. bumps all over the place. And I like did a bit of a, a tumble, but all good. It was still fun. <laughs> no one, as long as no one Nancy Kerrigan'd you. Jeez. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to go there. I had to. I, um, I love that you went there. <laughs> 
When I was younger, I used to love watching figure skating on the Winter Olympics. I would pretend that I was Christina Yamaguchi and I would make my little sister be the ice. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, what? Don't don't ask questions. She'll kill me that I'm even sharing this story. She, I would make her, and she just wanted to hang out with me. So she would just lay in the middle of the living room and I would like pretend to like jump over her and like trip her. <laughs> anyway, um, I can't wait to YouTube that as soon as I also try and make hormonal blood work or whatever I need to get done. I'm going to call my doctor and be like, I just need all of the tests. She's going to be like, are you okay? <laughs> no, I need everything done. So we will wrap up our lovely episode. I feel like I it's empowering to be more knowledgeable and learn more yes. about your body. It really, really is. And I feel like Absolutely. so often women are hesitant or like AMQ was saying, ignore it and think that it's just normal and I'm just supposed to feel these things. So it mm. has been so lovely chatting with you and hearing that like, no, listen to it. Don't ignore these things that are happening and that we don't need to be living in misery and pain during yes. our monthly cycles, you know? So My how biggest takeaway, nobody asked. I'm interrupting you, Becca. Nobody <laughs> asked, but I'm saying it. Nobody asked. Is that nobody asked, but it's really important because I think we need to highlight something that you've said multiple times is that just because it's common doesn't mean it's optimal because yes. that's so I literally, you, you've, you've said it repeatedly and it don't, it worked. It, you drilled it into my I'm head. I'm going to get it tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> but how wild is that? Is that like, just yeah. because you had 30 girls in your phys ed class and 20 of them were down for the count during their period, that doesn't mean that that's the way it should be mm -hmm. as right. it's common. And yeah. I don't, I don't think we really let that sink in much. So that's my biggest yeah. takeaway. Proceed. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. Yeah, not to make you all paranoid or anything, but if you're feeling off, don't ignore it. And especially when everyone's so busy. I mean, I feel like in Canada, you guys are living a bit of a different world than we are here in America. Yeah. <laughs> but with life, life picking yeah. back up, it's very easy to get back into that routine of ignoring your own needs and especially your hormonal needs when you have so many other roles that you have to take and that don't let that go by the wayside, you know, like there's ways mm. to, to feel better month to month Absolutely. or life yeah. in general. So how do you want to be remembered? Loaded, heavy question around this. Yeah, this, this is a heavy question, but I like it though. <laughs> I, yeah. So how I would like to be remembered is somebody who was always kind, showed compassion and was just there, like was a good friend, you know, a good family member. Um, and really made the world, this is the cheesiest thing, but really made the world it. a better place. You know, the idea that we encounter so many people throughout our lives and always leaving people, you know, better than you found them. So if whatever that is, even if you just meet somebody, you know, at the grocery store out hanging out by the avocado aisle, like leave them better, better off than how you found them, you know, well, however that looks. Um, but I would hope to be remembered as somebody who was kind, didn't take life too seriously, appreciated a good joke and like, <laughs> yes, it's just, yes. yeah, it just, yeah, fun to be around, like, you know, good energy to be around. That's how I would hope to be remembered. <laughs> well, you are certainly doing just that. So keep yeah. doing you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thank you. Also, do you have a favorite toot joke off the top of your head? Now, oh, jeez, I wish I prepared for this. Oh no, I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> but they are always like they are always funny. 
When my yeah. students fart in class, it's never not funny. And thank God, that's when I'm grateful for masks because I'm like, oh, girl. Mm. <laughs> this is going to be something you might remember later in life. But like, this is great. <laughs> For the moment, this is great. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know it's precious. You have so many patients that you take care of, but we really appreciate it. I know we learned so much. I mean, you guys so will much. see when we always post our video clips, our reactions to things that we've learned. Um, but where can our listeners, our boo crew, find you on the social machines? So usually Instagram is kind of where I hang out most. So dr.allisongodsnd, um, and that's where I... Bring the hormonal health and wellness tips. Um, a little bit of humor, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Definitely humor. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. And as always, you guys, we tag, we will always tag her in our stories and our posts and in our show notes as well. You can find her. So don't worry, we will be blowing up your notifications <laughs> as soon as this episode airs. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. AMQ, here's, here's the time. This is the time where we never know how to end it because we always just like to keep talking. Yeah, we, oh, we're really, we're such, we're such Ako Taco people. We never know. We just never want to stop talking. And we got and an email. The, the episode. What? We got an email. So keep doing well, that's, that. That Oh, that's good. Okay. So I know that we say this at the end of every episode because we want, maybe not at the end of every episode. We gave up for a while because you guys stopped sending us emails, but now we asked for them. So now here we are again. Don't forget <laughs> If you have a question that's maybe more of a long-winded one, maybe you have a question for Allison, probably just contact her directly. But if you have a question for any of us, send an email to hello, hello with three O's, very important, three O's on the second hello at <laughs> igotyouboopod.com. And of course, tag us, follow us, share all the things on I Got You Boo Pod on Instagram. Yeah, lube up and slide into those DMs. I love saying that every week and making it weird. <laughs> and we will see you next week for more self-love. I love that this February we are just talking about all things. And we, you are going to learn a lot about AMQ. Is it next week, right? Yeah, it's next week. Mm. I mm, yes. Let's go. Let's go. Get your lingerie popping off because we're talking about all the things. And we will see you next week. I, I got, got you, boo. boo. Kate, thanks. Love you. Bye. Yeah, so good. The cutest. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks for being here, Boo Crew. Love our vibe? Rate, review, share, and subscribe. And don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I Got You Boo Pod. Boo.